0: You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's good, you guys? Hope that you are well. We are in part three of our subthread Places, which is taking place under the umbrella of our year-long series entitled Threads that we are doing as a church family here at Faith Chapel. If you haven't caught the last two weeks, you can go back and listen to those. But this week, we were talking about a place of exile, a place of exile. Uh, the fact of the matter is that exile is the human condition. And um, at Young Adults this week, we watched a five-minute video by The Bible Project, Tim Mackie and The Bible Project, an incredible resource if you are not familiar with what they do. Uh, they do animated shorts that are theologically deep. They are clear. They are concise. They are comprehensible. Um, they are fun to watch. They're amazing. So we watched a five-minute video, and I would encourage you to go look at that. They actually have a series on exiles on BibleProject.com. So please um, take the time, check out Bible Project. You will not be uh, disappointed with the things and uh, accessories and tools and ways that they will equip you to understand your Bible better. But one of the overarching themes of the video that we watched last night is that exile is the human condition. So if we believe that we are exiles, that we believe that being exiles is a part of the human conditions, and that we believe that we will be that until Jesus brings everything back into perfect order, the question that we must ask is this, what do we do while we are in exile? What do we do while we're in exile? acceptance of the truth that this is not our home does not give us permission at passivity because this is the fact there is a calling in the middle of the exile. There's a calling in the middle of the exile. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses four through seven has this really incredible passage that God communicates to the nation of Israel as they're living in the midst of Babylon, this place that they have been relegated to this place that they have been uh, captive to and It's just this beautiful thing that Jeremiah communicates uh, or that God communicates through Jeremiah. This is what it says, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses four through seven. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says to all the exiles that I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city that I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. This message to the Israelites is really eye-opening. He isn't just telling them to hold fast and and make their way through Babylon, be strong. No, his message is this and it's our first point. It's invest in your circumstances. Invest in your circumstances. Hear that? Invest, lean into, learn from, not just survive. Invest in your circumstances. It can be really easy for us to lean into circumstances that seem to be a net positive, but when they are rough, we just want to run. But God, through Jeremiah, says stand firm, learn, build. Prosper, multiply, do not decrease. Pray for the city because when it thrives, you will thrive. When people are thriving, you will thrive. That is what I want you to do. So what does that look like for us now today as we live in our own Babylon? That, that throughout human history, there have been cultures, like Babylon was an actual nation, but what we have to understand is that we have created Babylon as human beings for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and we live in the midst of a culture that is Babylon. This is not our home. So what does it look like in each of our lives? Because of so many, so many of us are dealing with things and are immersed in a culture that we would rather not be dealing with. But are we going to face it? with faith that god will use it or are we going to run and try to avoid it at all costs and i think most of us would say no we want to face it we want to be people who are facing the culture that are facing babylon that are facing people who believe different things that have have different morals all of those different things and we don't want to run we want to lean into we want to invest in the circumstances and the opportunities that we have with people we want to invest in our circumstances, because there's incredible things that could happen in the midst of it. So how do we do that? How do we invest in our circumstances? Well, the first way that we can do that is to participate. When we look at the world around us, it's really easy for many of us to feel a feeling of discomfort. The world doesn't look or act the way we would prefer it to, and we get uncomfortable with it. But when we feel uneasy, we cannot let our natural reaction of detachment take over. But would we be people who participate? We get the opportunity to do that, to participate. And when I say participate, I do not mean do all the things that the world is doing, but to engage with the people Who are a part of the world because people matter and we have to be people who participate in the lives of others. We cannot detach ourselves from them because we cannot change things that we are not not actively engaged with. We cannot love people towards Jesus unless we are actually engaged with them. So whether it's people or places or structures we will not change any of those things by standing on the fringes of them and throwing stones and being judgmental and telling us why people need to change or telling structures why they need to change because that will not work. We have to be engaged with that which we want to change. You see, they will change. People will change. Places will change. Structures will change when it's clear that we care deeply, deeply, about those involved in structures, about those involved at places, and obviously with those that are the people that we get the opportunity to invest in. A couple years ago, uh, during one of um, the, the tragedies that has happened in our country, uh, George Floyd, um, it sparked so many conversations and so many um, opinions and all of these different things. And if you're not aware, I have a, a black daughter that we adopted from Ethiopia and I had somebody reach out to me and they said, are you, are you not just infuriated with the, with the church? And, and he was talking about specifically Faith Chapel, um, but also just the greater church about the response to this tragedy about all of these different things. We started to have a dialogue about it and I thought he had some valid points, but I also didn't uh, think that he had some other valid points, excuse me, but um, he said, I'm just so frustrated and what I would like to see. And then he just listed off like 20 things that he would love to see, um, in the way that the church interacts with, with racial issues. And I was like, man, those are, those are great. Like, I, I think that you're onto something like, I don't agree with every single one of them, but man, I think, I think that you have a, a passion for this. Um, would you, would you, would you like join me and the rest of our staff and the rest of the body of Christ in engaging those issues in ways that, that we could probably be better at. And he said, no, we're leaving the church. And I just simply responded, you cannot change it. If you leave it, you cannot influence it if you leave it. And that's not, not to to cast stones at him um, he's unbelievable and, and he's changing things and advocating for things in his own ways. And, and I have a ton, a ton of respect, um, for the, for how passionate he is about it. But what breaks my heart, it was, is an example of so many of us that, that we look at things that we want to change and we, we make loud noise and we have passionate opinions, we don't lean in and we don't invest in the circumstance because it's messy and it's uncomfortable and it makes us feel uneasy to maybe talk to somebody who might have a differing opinion. And so we just walk away instead of leaning in and investing in our circumstances and saying, Lord, I want to participate in the process of making this better, whatever it may be. Maybe it, maybe it's the the racial divide in our country, maybe it's LGBTQ um, issues and, and how um, the church hasn't always loved people well even if they don't agree with them like maybe it's it's one of those issues or maybe it's small small things that that don't seem to make the front page of the news but there are little parts of church or the world or relationships that just need to tweak for them to be the beauty that that god wants them to be like maybe but we can't change anything if we're unwilling to have the conversation, if we are unwilling to participate in that which we want to see change. We can get angry and we can get bitter at the, the world. We can get angry and we can get bitter at the church. Or we can move towards that which we see is broken and work in tandem with Jesus to say, how do we do this better? How do we do this better? How do we love better? How do we how do we make sure people know that Jesus loves them desperately because what we're doing right now is not working but we have to step up and we have to have to have to step in we must participate secondly how do we invest in our circumstances we pursue while we're in exile while we are participating let us never forget to pursue the one that is our forever home and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi says this in Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 10. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but only one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on my faith, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The followers of the church in Philippi, including Paul, were immersed in a culture that was counter to the teaching of Jesus. They knew what it was to be exiles. They were living in Rome. They were living in Babylon. Rome was their Babylon. And in this passage, Paul is simply stating, I'm going to pursue Jesus over what the world is telling me to pursue. I'm going to pursue Jesus over what Roman culture is telling me to pursue, what the enemy is trying to get me to pursue. I want to focus on what Jesus is calling me to pursue. And that is the tension that we have to deal with every day, too, today. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to focus on Jesus and his calling over the pull of the world? You see, participation in the world should not come at the cost of our pursuit of Jesus. Our pursuit of Jesus, our healthy pursuit of Jesus should create a healthy participation in the world. If we are pursuing Jesus well and we are laser focused on what he wants for us, we will be able to participate in the world around us in a really healthy way. The third way that we invest in our circumstances is that we submit. The truth is that a huge part of pursuing Jesus is submitting to his will for our lives. And it can be incredibly easy to stray from God in seasons of exile because while exile is the human condition, we also experience little exiles through seasons, through broken relationships, through church hurt, through relational hurt, whatever it may be. We don't always understand why we are experiencing exile. I think that that most of us, especially if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, can look at the narrative of Scripture and say, okay, I understand why we experience exile as a human condition. Like Adam and Eve exiled from the garden, Israelites exiled from... from, the promised land because of their disobedience to the calling that God had on our lives. And that is just, there's been this trickle down effect for generations and generations and generations. That's why we're experiencing this, this overarching human condition of exile. But then we have these little things that happen in our lives where we feel more detached or we feel more separated or more broken. And we feel this physical, tangible thing that would be exile in our own lives, whether it's relationally or vocationally or spiritually. And we don't always understand why we're experiencing that exile, but we can always know who will bring us back to center, who will get us back on track, and that person is Jesus. Is that No matter what the exile is, whether it's the overarching human condition or it's a little exile that we are feeling tangibly in our lives, Jesus is the way out of exile. Jesus is the way out of exile. You see, we live a life of submission because Jesus himself did it, Paul, in a a previous chapter in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, says this, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking in on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross, for this reason. God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Would we be people who consider faithful obedience to Christ as a driving force in our lives, both individually and collectively, that everyone that we encounter would know that our obedience and submission to Jesus causes us to love deeply and causes us to love widely. Our love is not shallow. We have too many conversations with people too many conversations with people on a weekly basis that say, I have acquaintances, but I don't really have friends. People do not want to go deep. They don't want to get into the nitty gritty and talk about vulnerable things that are happening right now. Not things that happened 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but things that are happening right now. Would we be people who refuse to have shallow relationships, but that that have relationships that go deep deep? and are impactful, and are vulnerable, and are really authentic. And then would we love widely? Not just a, a, a love that is for the people who agree with us, not just with the people who have the same political stances that we have, not just the people who who have the same views on all of these different issues, or the same denomination, or, or even the same religion. Would we be people who refuse to look at the world and say, my love is only for this section? But would we be people who love widely? Widely, that every single person we look at and say, that is a child of God, a creation that is loved by my creator, and therefore, I will love them too. Would we love deeply and widely? And the fourth way that we invest in our circumstances is by responding. The question is, how do we respond in exile? Overall, and in those seasons where Exile feels a little bit more prevalent. It's more tangible. Those, those little things with, through broken relationships or whatever it may be that we feel a little bit more disconnected than we usually do. If we're honest, participation, pursuit, and submission, those are all responses. But I think it's worth asking this overarching question. When the world watches us, how are we responding to the fact that we are exiles in Babylon? Because if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, the world is watching they're watching us they're watching for hypocrisy they're watching uh, for backtalk they're watching for judgment they're, they're they're they are watching so how are we responding if if we believe that the world is not our home that it's broken can we also believe that we are too and in that response we would say we have a desperate need for a savior are we willing to let ourselves do everything in our power to love the world into the presence of jesus Because we understand that Jesus changes everything. So can we be people who communicate the love of Jesus deeply and widely in the way that we respond to exile? There, there tends to be this, this belief that there's only two options when it comes to living in Babylon or living in a culture that we don't agree with. And that is either to, to just lean into it, buy into it and just say, you know, we're just going to be like everybody else or to be combative and be so against it that we create these harsh lines that create an unloving posture towards the world around us. But there is a third way. There is a way for us to hold to our values and the fact that Jesus is King and still be involved In the world, that is the third way that we can tell people you, you vote for whatever Babylonian king you want to rule the country. You, you vote for whatever thing that you want, but I'm going to look at Jesus and I'm going to say, you are the driving force in my life. That that my allegiance is not to a group of people. My allegiance is not to a flag. My allegiance is to a king and a king only. I get to live, you get to live in a world that has a ton of opportunity to show people the love of Jesus. We can be in it, but not be of it. I love a passage that's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter's talking to to the church in Rome and he's saying, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, honorably among the world. honorably among Babylon. So what? So that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and they will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. People are going to look at you as a follower of Jesus and they're going to accuse you of a thousand different things. And some of those things aren't because of what you did, but because of what somebody else in another church across the country, whatever may, may have happened. But it's God's will that we silence the ignorance of foolish people because we are doing good, because we are participating and we are engaging and we are pursuing and we are not running from and we are not detaching, but we are immersed in the world as exiles in Babylon, showing people the love of Jesus. Paul ends with this, submit as free people. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves, God's servants. That we would be people who are saying, no, I am submitted. I am submitted to Jesus. And because of that, I can love people really well. I'm not submitted to Jesus so that I can judge other people. I am submitted to Jesus so that I can love people well. So let us pursue Jesus, actively participate in the world that we live in, submit to God's will in our faithful obedience, and respond in ways that clearly communicate communicate how deep and how wide and how vast the love of God really is. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.